0: This morning, I just want to take some time and just just talk a little bit about a uh, topic uh, that we probably have thought about quite a bit. That we've spent some time, uh, you know, meditating on it. But you know, it, it, it when you hear the phrase, you can it, a lot of thoughts can come to mind. And this is: what does it mean to be a believer? What is a is being a believer? And we know what the Bible says, and then we can, we can look at several things in the Bible that it may—one t- may, thing that may come to mind is believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we become children of God. Or, or maybe somebody would think it's being a good person or being a good Baptist, or, uh, or maybe some other thoughts would come to our mind that we believe the Bible when you hear that term, being a believer. So I just want to spend a few moments today and really just, even though we can go in several different directions, just kind of center it a little bit and, uh, and really look at it from the eyes of Jesus uh, in the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. And so as you're turning to the book of Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 23 and 24, uh, which is our scripture reference for this morning, it, it begs the question of why some people refuse to believe or believe in God uh, in spite of all the evidence that we, we see around us. We know that scripture reminds us that, it's, that God is evident in all of creation. Yeah, and we can think about different reasons. Some people may say, well, you know, the, the Bible is confusion, or confusing or there's contradictions or, you know, how can I believe in this, you know, that a, a God, somebody would create all of this, you know. And so there are several reasons why people may say that they don't believe, but the real reason most deny God's des- existence really comes down and summarizes in one word, and that word is pride that we don't want to run, we don't want God to run our lives. We don't want someone else to tell us what to do, especially God, that he he might interfere with our lives the way we wanna live it, the way we want to control the course of our life and everything in it. But in that thought process, Unfortunately, the result of this decision of not believing in God, not trusting god's plan, they end up living a life without any ultimate meaning of life. I'm reminded in the scripture says, if our hope is in this life only, we are all most miserable. And so no wonder those psalms declared in psalms. 14, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. See, that's a foolish statement when we see all of what God has done and how he desires to meet us at the very point of our need. And so as you turn to mark the ninth chapter, verse 23 to 24, would you read with me, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It reads, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This particular passage that the Lord led me to and uh, desired to, to share this message from, is a, is a time when Jesus is away from his disciples. Jesus comes up and he sees his disciples in a crowd. And in this crowd, his disciples are uh, engaging in an action with a father and his son. As Jesus approaches, Jesus asks the question, what's going on? What's it all about? And in mark the ninth chapter verse 16 through 18 it says this and he acts describes what are you discussing with them with the disciples then one of the crowd answered and said teacher i brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him it throws him down he foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out but they could not and so we see this scenario we see that this man brought his son desired for the disciples to cast the demon out but they could not and in Jesus in hearing this and Encountering what's going on, he makes a statement. Jesus makes a very strong statement. In Mark the ninth chapter, verse 19 to 20, he answered him and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me." Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell down on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. See, there's an interaction that's occurring here. The interaction with the father speaks to the heart of our being able to believe. See, in being able to believe, we need God's help. But we must first take a step of faith. In this step of faith, Jesus makes a statement about the faith of the disciples at this point in this time. He says, oh, faithless generation, signifying that there is still a lack of faith or they are without faith. They're faithless. So we understand Jesus is directing his statement at his disciples But not just them, but the entire generation, a mindset, a lifestyle, signifying that this is the way of life in this generation with these people, that they've all kind of gone the same way, to not have faith maybe we've heard it before and you've read in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That there is a step of faith that as we trust in the Lord, we trust in his unchanging hand, that we step out on that trust, that we allow our actions to show that we're trusting in him. Verse 2 went on to say, For by it the elders obtained a good report, trusting the Lord in his way, in his plans, in his purposes. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, that, that verse there is saying the things that are seen in the spirit are not made by the things which do appear naturally that we can see in this earth. See, faith is the ability to visualize God's plans and to trust him, to trust his plans before it becomes a reality, that is just like it's there. And as we faithfully trust him and walk with him, and depend upon him, his plans become steadfast and sure in our lives. So Jesus is making this this dramatic, strong statement, O faithless generation, should cause us to just kind of shake our core a little bit. That Jesus is looking upon this generation. He spent a certain amount of time with the disciples. He's walked with them. He's talked with them. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him do many things. And then as he's away, there's an encounter And nothing happens. And maybe sometime we would think in our mind, we'd say, well, did something always have to happen that we could see naturally? Absolutely not. But when Jesus made that statement, I believe he sh- he's sharing this with us, that as Scripture tells us where one or two are gathered in his name, and there he is in the midst. That as the disciples or learning of Jesus, spending time with Jesus, loving Jesus, that Jesus would be at the forefront of their mind and heart, that he would be transforming them from the inside out by his spirit. And as they went on and Jesus is not there, that they would speak of him. They would trust him. And at the trusting of Jesus, one and two, gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And there's something that we can learn about with Jesus when he's in the midst, that every knee shall bow, that the demons are subject to Jesus. And that if the very least, when they are in faith, walking with Jesus, in faith, trusting Jesus, even when he's not there, something happens would happen maybe the man would fall maybe he would see that Jesus was with them but in this encounter nothing Jesus said oh faithless generation so it causes us to think a little bit. As we look a little bit closer in Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 22. It goes on to say, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire, this demon, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So the father makes this statement. He says, if you can do anything. See, the man seems to be a little bit unsure if Jesus could do anything. And Maybe as he was spending time with the disciples and he saw that the d- disciples could not do anything, his natural eyes tended to see natural abilities. And being a representative of Jesus, being Jesus' disciple, if his disciples can't do anything, maybe Jesus can't do anything. See, for a moment, he took his eyes off of Jesus and placed it on the natural. Because we are limited in what we can see with these natural eyes. We can tend to be limited in what we believe. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had the moments like Doubting Thomas when he said in John the set 20th chapter and then Jesus said to Thomas after Thomas had said I won't believe unless I see it with my eyes. Unless I touch the nails in his hand. Then Jesus said to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. See, there's a point there. I want you to hold on to it as we get to it. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Because the father didn't see it happen, he doubted whether Jesus could do it. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who are willing to look beyond their natural understanding and perceptions, which may seem to be foolish to this world, to their families, to friends, to others that are so we can be caught up into this natural. But to see beyond and to step out on that belief. See, the Bible says, if thy canst believe. Jesus responded to this father and with these words in Mark 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so I just want to spend some time and, and really jump into that. Because a lot of times when we hear those words, we do the about thing. We go, well... Faith is this growing faith, which there is an element of that. And I, but I need to have this big, large, strong belief for it to happen. But as we look at the Greek translation of this, of this scripture, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Here's what it, how it's translated from the Greek. And Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things are possible to the one believing. All things are possible to the one believing. See, he's making a, uh, giving us an understanding that it's a continual process. It's not so much about this Large, big, where well we can put it in a big old mighty jar, but our continual trusting, depending on, seeking Him, following Him. Let me go a little bit farther. This continual trusting in Christ. So the if is not as the Father asked Jesus if He could. Jesus responded back, if. You believe if you continue in your believing don't stop by what your eyes have saw don't stop because the natural doesn't look like it's coming about don't stop because the doctor is giving you a certain report don't stop because somebody told you it didn't work out for them but continue to trust the Lord in all things and lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him So we see this encounter where Jesus is speaking to him about continuing to believe. Don't give up. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop having hope. And then the next verse says this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What a great statement. See, here's why it's a great statement. Jesus told this man in this verse that anything is possible if we'll just continue to believe. Jesus did the hard part. He provided the miracle. He's the miracle maker. He's the way maker. All the dad had to do was believe, trust in Jesus, continue to have hope, continue to trust him. See, but this man acknowledged where he he fell short. See, here's what I'm learning about this belief process. This belief process is as we come unto belief, we realize, we start seeing that we still have some room to grow. We still have some shortcomings. We still have moments when when we have that little bit of doubt See, the true essence of believing is even when you have that, you cry out like him, help my unbelief. You step in. You step into Jesus and not the things that are running perplexing through your mind. That you don't allow that to be the thing that anchors you. You don't allow that to be the thing that holds you. But you know that there are things that you're just not going to know. That it's not up to you, but it's all up to him. I love how Billy Graham put it. He said, I don't know everything, but I trust the one who does. He said, I trust him. And so this father was crying out, help my unbelief. In John the 8th chapter, verse 31 through 32, it tells us, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, Then are you my disciples indeed. See, this is what what disciples do. They follow their master. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, it's so important that we have this abiding faith and belief in Jesus. That Jesus is the answer for our soul. He is the way maker. See, to believe in means to trust in him. Even when everything in our mind is telling us something different. To trust in him. So this is not talking about a power of belief. That. The miracle is possible. But that putting our continual trust in the miracle worker. Putting our trust in him. So often we get that confused. There are so many that walk around thinking it's in their power, in their belief to make things happen. It's always been in him and him alone. And the question is, do we trust him? See, it's less about our believership that we believe that, we gonna, that these things are going to happen and more about our followership. Are we following him, trusting him that he is able? See, Jesus wants to take you on a journey of a lifetime. See, a life of faith. Many of us in here have probably read Proverbs, the third chapter, over and over again. You probably can quote it, right? I would ask you to just turn with me. Proverbs, the third chapter, verse 5, and we're going to most likely go to verse 13. But what we're seeing here is there is wisdom given of a beautiful story of a life of trusting in the Lord. See, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Your way getting up, your way to do what you know to do on your job, your way as a, as a homemaker, your way as a student. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. See, don't let your own eye, your eye will mess you up. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Don't hold on to it like like you're going to lose or you're going to miss out. As you honor the Lord with everything that you have, he will show up and show out in your life. You will lack nothing. And with the first fruits of all, you'll increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. You're going to mess up at times. You're going to make mistakes But the Lord loves you, and so he's going to correct you. You're going to have a moment. Lord, help my unbelief get back up. Nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Wisdom and the man who gains understanding see on this journey of life with the lord of trusting him of having those moments of seeing god show up and show out of having those tough times where you come to the lord and you say lord i'm sorry lord help my unbelief and you grow and you grab hold to his unchanging hand and you continue to follow him what you start seeing is that he was there when you had cancer and he saw you through it What you start seeing is when you didn't have those bills, you couldn't pay all those bills, he made a way out of no way. When your your kids was acting up and fussing up, he sustained you through it. When you you had that time where you, you, you just felt like you couldn't go no farther, he saw you day by day. And so you look back and you see, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. Who? Christ who strengthens me, I can trust in the Lord. I can believe upon him because he's faithful over and over and over again. He's shown us day in and day out. And we come to a place that we find wisdom and we gain understanding. And we see that it's not about the, the big show moment, but it's the day-by-day. Day. It's the trusting him. It's the seeing that he is able. And we hold on to it. We don't let him go. And there's an example of our life that if we continue to believe all things possible to him who believes. (laughs) See, Jesus even gave us an example of this in Matthew, the 17th chapter, verse 20. He talks about this mustard seed. And so often we misunderstand what he's saying here. See, the verse says, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. See, if we're not careful, we we'll look at that and say, well, all I got to do is have a little bit of faith. So that's really not what it that scripture is saying, what Jesus is saying. He's giving an example, faith as a mustard seed. See, a mustard seed is the sm- one of the smallest grains known to mankind. And that mustard seed can sit dormant For years, for decades, in some of the hottest, driest, weariest climates. And that mustard seed on the inside of it has everything that it needs for life. See, a believer, you have everything that you need for life on the inside of you. See, that mustard seed sits there and waits and waits for the appointed time, for the appointed place, to where everything lines up. It doesn't get in a hurry. It's not worried about, you know, whether or not it's going to eat tomorrow or it's going to eat today because it has everything it needs for life. And at the moment that mustard seed gets to the right soil, and gets the right watering that mustard seed grows, as small as it is, it never loses hope. And it starts growing. And that mustard seed grows to be the largest vegetative plant known to mankind and nothing That this world threw at it can stop that mustard seed from growing what it's intended to be. Jesus is giving this illustration. He's saying if we have faith, that's that mustard seed. Know who you are. Know whose you are. Trust in his unchanging hand. That maybe it don't look like it should look today. Maybe it seems like there are some hard times. But in due time, in due season, all of God's promises are steadfast and sure. So Jesus is connecting these verses, found in Mark the ninth chapter. We saw in verse 19 where He said, "O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. How long shall life and life more abundantly?" Jesus is heartbroken that the disciples are missing it. They still haven't gotten it. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. And so, after he casts the demon out of the man, his disciples come to him in verse 28 and 29. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. See, Jesus is not just talking about to pray and to go through these acts of fasting. But Jesus is expressing the beauty of this continual life of belief, life of faith. See, what Jesus is expressing is a vine and a branch relationship. That as you are praying, as you're communicating with me, as you're going before the Father, there is a connectedness that occurs. And as we pray and we go before God, and as we fast, we set down ourselves, we set down our flesh, we allow ourselves to have room to receive of God, to receive of Christ. There is a vine and a branch relationship that continues to grow and is fostered. The reason you could not do it before was because of your lack of connection to the vine, faithless. But if you continue in me through prayer and fasting, faithful as I am in the Father, so you will be in me. See, Jesus is trying to relay this to him. That none of us can do anything outside of him. And so he's challenging them and he's challenging us to abide in him. John 15, 7 through 11, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. You know what? We're not going to ask out of his will. Because we're abiding in him. We're spending time with him. We're getting to know him. And so we're acting according to his will. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments. Do we remember what his commandments were? Very first one, greatest one, to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy heart. And The second is likened to the first, to love thy neighbor. See, Jesus is spelling this out. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. He so desired that the, the disciples would be joyful. You remember when the disciples, the 70 that he sent away, they came back rejoicing. They said, even the demons are subject to your name. See, they proclaimed the name of Christ. They kept him in their mind, in their heart. They were in fellowship with him even though they weren't in his presence. And Jesus says this to us, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And so that brings us back to the the father's statement. Lord, I believe, help my belief, my unbelief. See, we need to be there. There are certain things that we are locked in on that we believe without a shadow of a doubt. And there's others that we struggle. It's so important that we call out to him in relationship. And as we acknowledge, we trust him, we we follow him. We also acknowledge that we have frailties and we have times of struggle say Lord help my unbelief Charles Spurgeon said it this way while men have no faith they are unconscious of their unbelief but as soon as they get a little faith then they begin to be conscious of the greatness of their unbelief let us be conscious of our unbelief Continue to seek him, to trust him, to cry out to him. See, being a believer is not always about getting it all right and doing all the right things. It's a journey of faith with God. We take a step of faith. We take an act of obedience. To believe in the finished work of Christ. We start by trusting him in salvation. Know that we cannot save ourselves. That we are in need. Each and every one of us of a savior. But we can trust in Jesus. See as we take a step out of faith. Out in faith. With Jesus To follow him as Lord. Let him be the Lord of your life. See scripture tells us. We move from faith to faith. Glory to glory. See. So often we can have faith in ourselves. but scripture is telling us. Don't put our faith and trust in ourselves. But to put it in him. Don't test. Don't put faith in our ability. But allow ourselves to grow to a point of putting our faith and trust in him and him alone. And don't glorify in ourselves, but to glorify in him. When we give him the glory, when we allow ourselves to praise God for his goodness, see our eyes become clearer. We start seeing more and more that he's faithful. That he's seen us through it all. We're telling others of the goodness of God. We're being believers. We're holding on to his unchanging hand. And Jesus is not saying, faithless, he's excited about that day when he will say to you and I well done my good and faithful servant be faithful when you have those moments of doubt cry to him let him know where you at he already knows but then you say but I'm going to hold on to your unchanging hand because you are faithful.